You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain with Wire uh, football podcast. That's right. Football here. We are. Mere weeks away, Matt Kennerly there. I'm Jeremy Moss. How are you doing? Are you ready for Aztec football? San Diego I State am. football? I am. Hopefully everybody's ready for this as well. we got plenty of t- to talk about. We have done, what, eight previews? Nine? No, seven? I don't know. A lot? This is, uh, I believe it is number nine. And we I was... have three more to go after this. So it's going to be some combination of Hawaii, UNLV, and Boise State. See, I should never just never second-guess myself. I was right the first time. Yeah. Even though it was a shot in the dark, but it was still right. <laughs> so yeah, Sometimes it works out, right? It definitely does sometimes. All right, so if you're new to the show, Aztec fans, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, head over to iTunes. It's not iTunes. I always say it. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, find us. Um, website, mwr.com, where it is your specialty, Matt. Uh, preseason watch list time. <laughs> it, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's been pretty good for a lot of teams so far. So that's on the website. We have previews. We have position stuff. We have our – I had another all-time team the other day. We're kind of working on that still. A lot of stuff going on our top 52 countdown. But, uh, yeah, if you like that stuff, you like this, great. Welcome. Thank you. Let's get to Aztec football because this is a team um, – well, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it because people will – because, Matt, whatever I say about the Aztecs, it never comes back nicely to me no matter what I do. Is that correct, essentially? Would would you like me to take a crack at it? Go for it. You lead the way, and I'll follow, and maybe we'll see what happens. <laughs> because I think you you have to start obviously by looking back at last year, which we've kind of been doing with teams all along. And to me, the big question about 2019 is: was last year a fluke, or was it a harbinger of things to come? And it's really hard to answer that question at a glance, and, and in some cases even by like really digging deep into what this team is bringing back this fall. Because when you look at last year, there was a lot of things that make looking forward really hard to predict. And you just look at the wins and losses, for instance. They began the year by winning five straight games by eight points or fewer, and then right around late October going into November, their luck turned, if you want to call it luck, and they lost four or five games by nine points or fewer. And that was before they got shut out in the Frisco Bowl against the Ohio Bobcats. So, you know, you can you can split... I mean, you can look at this team a few different ways. Like, you can look at the fact that they're bringing back a lot of pieces from what made them so successful in years past. Um you know, they do have some units where they do have a lot to replace, but, you know, there's just enough questions to to make you see the, the potential for a championship team, but also the potential for maybe, I don't know, even more of a disappointment. Ooh. Part of it last year, there was an injury issues last year. Yeah. We can't get around that. Juwan Washington missed, what, half the season just about? It was, yeah, four or five games, yeah. I remember, wasn't the Ohio game? He left at halftime. It was pretty much done, I believe. I you, believe so, You yeah. had Christian Chapman go out. 
You had Tyler Omar. I forget was he quitting the team or got kicked off the team. Offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. They had some issues, and then when the guys are back healthy, I just remember end of the season, they're playing the Hawaii loss where they decided to throw the um, good old fade for the two point play, <laughs> with yeah. with Ryan Agnew, who was the backup quarterback who did start a bunch. But let's not bring in our main guy. Let's have him get that throw. Well, and here's something that I think is maybe the most telling thing about last season. And this comes from Bill Connolly's San Diego State preview, where if you look at the first nine games of the season versus the last four, first nine, they were they were basically outgaining opponents by about a yard per play. In that last month, it flipped, and opponents were outgaining them by about a yard per play. And, you know, they were outscoring opponents by about two points per game. And then the last four games, they were getting outscored by about 10 points. You know, their success rate kind of dipped. Their, just their, their, just, their general performance on both sides of the ball really slipped late in the year. And so that's where, yeah, even though they are bringing a lot back, you know, they are... Bringing in, they're bringing in a new quarterback full time, newish. Yeah, maybe we can just put it that way. No, 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 no. Here's the term: half the year last year, he is a um, new starting quarterback. He is QB one. He is also at the helm of a newish offense as well. Yeah, it's not going to be the same kind of attack we've become accustomed to seeing from the Aztecs. And you know, we talked about this a little bit in our spring recaps, but the early returns haven't necessarily been altogether promising, and so. Again, thinking ahead to this year, you know, yeah, they do have a lot coming back, but what does that actually mean? It, well, here's what what they really need because the offense it's going to be a little bit different, we know, but it's still going to be running the ball. I think the reason they technically like they say it's a spread or kind of not being as a tight formation, they don't have a fullback anymore like they've used to have the past couple years, and mm-hmm. so because I we probably did mention this in spring preview or whatever prognosis we did a few months ago talking about all the teams little quick few minutes here and there the fullback with I think Nick Bottom was the most recent one who's pretty good he made made the ways blocked for Jawan Washington Chase Jasmine they're getting their yards that's fine but a fullback it's kind of really it's kind of useless in football why play well, and, they, and they also lost their fullback who started five games last year in Chad Woolsey mm-hmm. and Isaac Lesser actually was knocked out for the year this year in, there, in the spring. Yeah, there's that. So why play 11 on 10 when you can have a tight end or another running back almost fulfill the same role as a lead blocker occasionally, but that person can also catch a pass. That person can take the handoff and be more productive running the ball than a fullback could. And so they're going to hmm. be in shock it a bit more. They're still going to – it's they're not going to go away and pass it 50 times a game because that would be stupid because they, they're not built for that. They're a yeah. team that wants to run. Their receiving group is honestly limited. They're not amazing what they have, partly because they don't need to throw a, mu- a bunch. But why would you want to go out and change and do all that? So they're still going to run. Yeah. It's going to look. It's kind of like I kind of compare it to. If you look what the Patriots do in the NFL, they do Tom Brady shotgun a ton. They still run the ball quite a bit. So it's it, it, all the difference. Or USC does this. It's still going to be like a pro set essentially, but they may be shotgun a bit more and one running back. But the plays are probably going to be the same. I mean, and an example of that, you really don't have to go back much further than last season's bowl game. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Ohio is actually maybe the template that Aztecs fans want to look at 
just because, you know, they had a dual threat quarterback who could make plays with his legs and his arm, you know, they were going three or four wide and really kind of not necessarily beating up the three, three, five defense, but you know, they were able to move the ball pretty much all game long. And I think that that's kind of the upside that you're looking for, you know, when you're thinking ahead to this year. Oh, definitely. And so it's like reading some quotes what Rocky Long does. He's like, we're not going to throw 60 times a game. He goes, all it means is we're changing formation to more of a spread out formation. So the running game won't be as complex. But uh, it also, if people want to play straight man coverage, it gives you some advantages in the passing game, which I guess any advantage you can get in the passing game is welcomed. Because if you recall, Matt, they had an NFL caliber tight end on the, on the team last year who didn't really get the ball done. Not really, no. So just, sure, right? <laughs> Well, and maybe this is a good time to start talking about the running backs in particular because, you know, like we said at the onset, they've got a bunch – they've got basically their top six rush, rushers from last year coming back, and it is spearheaded by Juwan Washington. But, you know, they have Chase Jasmine back as well. They have Chance Bell. They brought in Greg Bell as a transfer. Uh, and then Jordan Bird, who you might remember from the Boise State game last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. He's back. Kagan Williams is back. So they have options back there. But how good are they actually going to be? Washington's really good. So if he's back 100%, he'll be fine. He, and, like, and I, I want to be able to give this some context because I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade or anything like that. I think that there is, like, again, the potential for this running back crew to rebound. But, you know, and Jawan Washington is obviously going to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. They probably do need a number two guy. And, you know, even if you just go back and look at the spring game, you know, you notice that, you know, Washington didn't play, yeah, and the team, the team that came out on top had to run the ball nearly 40 times to get 100 yards. Yikes. Nobody necessarily really stood out, and it really speaks to something that has been kind of a slow-developing narrative over the past seven years. And so I just want to give this some context, throw a couple numbers out there to kind of explain what I'm talking about. Last year, by rushing S&P+, one of Bill Connolly's metrics, they were 92nd. Last and over the, past, over the past four years, just as far as team efficiency is concerned mm-hmm. on offense, these are the figures that they've had over the last four years. So from, what, 2015 through 2018. 59th, 72nd, 104th, and 107th. Hmm. Okay. And, and because we know that the Aztecs like to lean on the run – a lot of that downturn can be traced to the running game. And one of the big differences between two years ago and last year was that two years ago, which was it was Rashad Penny's last year, right? Mm-hmm. Two years ago. They, yes. were, they were 14th by Bill Connolly's explosive metric, you know, ISO PPP. Last year they were a top 50 team. And they were a little more diminished than that when Washington wasn't on the field. So if he can bring that explosive element back, you know, I think that I would feel more comfortable about being more optimistic about this team. But when you go down the line, there was really no one else who stood out just as far as, you know, off, you know opportunity rate, you know, being able to get to the second level. Um, you know, Chance Bell was, you know, fine in that regard. He did crack 52%, but you know, how much of a role is he going to play? And is he going to be able to turn that trick again? And if he does end up in another small sample size, for instance, Um so, I mean, I think that there's just lingering questions about, you know, if they can't get the explosive element back, 
they have to be more efficient. And if they can't be more efficient, then what else is this offense going to be able to offer that's any different from what we saw late last year? We know what it could be. Going through, like, if you look at their offensive line, they always mm-hmm. have multiple players who are all conference caliber type guys. And they had, what, a couple last year. I'm looking through. They've had at least, a, I believe if I'm correct on this, one or two, or two make first or second team the past couple of years. Yeah. And so and I know going through, it's kind of adding on to what you're saying, like going through, they've typically had like Nico Siragusa, Pierce Slater, Tyler Romo, other guys. I'm kind of going through the past couple of years to mention, like just to see who they have out there. And they've always had good running backs, but they've always had an offensive line who has been able to block and help and do all that. And so the line was young a couple of years ago. They, a lot of different things happened. That's why I think your point could be valid. Where when the guys weren't playing, like when Romar wasn't on the team, what did you say their explosiveness was? It's like one fifteen. Uh, well, this this year their explosive metric overall they were forty eighth overall. Interesting. And okay. by marginal explosiveness, they were eightieth. Okay. Well, they had three All Conference players essentially last year for most of the. Yeah. Romar was twenty seventeen. It's so like losing guys like Ryan Pope and Romar gone. It's like they've always had a great line to help with the running game, and so. It's kind of odd that despite we've seen Penny be a um, what is it the running back award um, a finalist or semifinalist for the um, you're talking it? about the Doak Walker yeah Doak Walker right? sorry space it on the award I've had guys be finalists for that semifinalist it's not just him it's a running game as well and they've always had a good offensive line so it seems kind of odd you going through numbers that they were bad some years and good other years in certain categories but overall the running game is still pretty good right last year was it took a dip off partly because of injuries but. I think if they have a line good to go like they've always had, it should be fine. But losing two guys who are all league players are going to be is going to be an issue this year. It seems like you know a lot of the interior is going to be pretty good, you know, because Deshaun Dixon is definitely oh, yeah. if he's not necessarily an all conference performer, you know, he could play his way into that. He should he's be, always been very he's he might be one of the more underrated you know, players in the conference and maybe that's a consequence of just being an offensive lineman. And then we all, we all know about Keith Ismail, whether he ends up at guard or at center. I think he's slated to be at center. If I'm not mistaken, he's going to be awesome. You know, he's a guy who should be getting NFL talk within the next year or two, I think. Yeah. But again, you've got, you've got to replace three guys. And all of a sudden, you know, when you look back at the spring game, they only had nine healthy bodies. And it was one of those things where they had said that they were still looking for options in that regard. Um, I know that they just recently brought in a transfer. His name escapes me right now. But, you know, they've got guys who are stepping into those roles. But if they can't coalesce, or even worse, if they fall victim to the same kind of, you know, health or off-field issues that they had last year, all of a sudden this is a, a unit that could get very thin and you know i don't know i think the, like i said you could see two paths because on the one hand if these new guys step up can if these new guys can step in and step up you know you look back at last year they were 110th by stuff rate which is a very un san diego state like you know uh, ranking you know mm-hmm. they were getting pushed back all the time and they were 115th by sack rate and, you know, obviously some of that maybe falls on the quarterback situation as well. It, but they just weren't at the same level on offense, you know, even in the running game that you were accustomed no. to seeing in the last few years. And so I think, yeah, they could rebound. 
But maybe they could. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Well, like, looking at the guys who have actually have starts in their career, there's not many. And that's yeah. like you said, having only nine offensive linemen ready to go, you need probably what you get twelve a game essentially. We'll go about twelve deep, one, two, and plus. Maybe a couple guys could swap out and play guard and center. Like Ishmael can do a couple positions on that line to help out if there's a to shuffle things around. But the depth they have is not great, and I trust what Aztecs do. And so I'm not. I think you're a bit more concerned than I am on the running game. But then again, we saw last year when they had to shuffle around a lot, and it wasn't all that good. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be a combination of youth coming in as well as kind of transfers who are stepping into playing time as well. You know, they have William Dunkel, I believe, uh, because Ismail is going to be at center. I think he's slated to be at right guard. Um, he's a redshirt freshman. He didn't play at all last year. Um, but, you know, he's definitely got the requisite size to be an Aztec lineman. He's listed at, what, 6'5 and 355 pounds? Yeah, big guy. Pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's the upside with this unit is you know they're going to be bringing the size. I think every single guy who could potentially be in the starting lineup, you know, Ismail, Dunkel, Dixon, Cap, uh, Jacob Capra, who came in from Oregon, he's going to be part of the starting lineup. Probably. And yeah. Zachary Thomas, who I he saw a little bit of playing time in the last couple of years. All three, all five of those guys are at least 300 pounds, and so are the guys behind them. So there's that. That's always helpful. Yeah. So if we have those big guys, are they going to be able to protect new starting quarterback Ryan Agnew? That's newish quarterback. No, I'm going new starting quarterback. He's a new, <laughs> he's a new starting quarterback. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I think that I think that some of it's going to come down to Ryan Agnew kind of helping himself a little bit. You know, I mentioned the sack rate, and there were multiple instances last year where he just held on to the ball too long, and. You know, on the one hand, yeah, after you adjust for sacks, he was still averaging about seven yards per carry. But yeah, I'm trying to look up the the opportunity rate that he had, which is how often he was getting to the second level when he was scrambling. Yeah. His, his opportunity rate was nearly 70%. And that seems unusually high, which makes me think that that's going to be due for some regression. So yeah, even though he averaged 7.4 yards per carry, Will he be able to do that again? And if he can't, how is he going to improve as a passer? Because in a lot of respects last year, he was just very erratic. You know, he had that sack rate, which is right around 9.5%. He had 10 touchdowns against six interceptions. And just, you know, whether you look at the more traditional measures or the more advanced ones, he's got a lot of room for improvement. Among the 11 Mountain West quarterbacks last year who had at least 200 attempts, he had the second lowest completion rate and the fifth lowest yards per attempt. And that was one thing that the Aztecs had working off and on last year was creating big plays through the passing game. But if he can't do that even just a little more consistently, if he can't improve his red zone production, because he only completed 26% of his passes inside the 20 last year, well, the plan is the offense changing to suit him more. You would think. That's what they want to do because allegedly he has the legs to move around and run. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why they give him shotgun. Not not that they're going to pass more, but like that's what they that's what they say he can do a bit more. He's more athletic guy. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's to help. Just, I don't know. I'm a, little bit, I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be as effective a runner. That's as why he I was said allegedly year. a runner. <laughs> and and again, if he's not, it goes back to the running back situation where who's going to pick up that slack? 
because someone's going to have to. If you're having beyond Jawan Washington, yeah. If you're having him run the ball, like say read options or something, which I remember watching, it was weird because I remember the Ohio game, thinking about it and kind of looking at some clips and stuff. Do you remember how intricate like some of those plays were? Like it was just a seemed like a hot mess. Like they were trying to do the um, you've seen the Water Boy, right? Everybody's seen that. Mm-hmm. You know the Henry Winkler character, the coach yeah. who has gone crazy. Mm-hmm. It seemed like whoever's calling the plays was like him where it's the fake handoff. No, let's pretend to fake. We pretend to pretend to fake to have like some veer option, inverted play behind the center pulling and the right guard pulling to high five around the corner, then toss the ball. It seemed like the plays were taking forever to develop. And mm-hmm. so I I don't know if that was a starting to change or just what Ohio was doing, but if you're having Agnew like read option or run because he has legs, it's like that's – that, there should be few and far between because Aztecs are going to win with their quarterback running for like a designed six runs a game. You don't want that to happen. But I just like him at quarterback. Here's the thing: like Aztec quarterback, everyone knows how I feel. If you listen for years, you know what my I kind of say about it. But if he could be what Christian Chapman was or close to it, they'll be fine. Don't turn the ball over. Don't screw up. Find the guy who's open and make sure you get the, a clean handoff. They don't need him to throw because it's not their offense, not their game, to throw, I know Long said 60, but there's no reason for them to throw 25 times a game. You know what I mean? Like, keep it lowish and don't turn the ball over. That's kind of what they – that's how they've been successful. Here's the counter argument I might make. If they are tailoring the offense, the spread, to his skill set, which he is not Christian Chapman. No, he's not. And I think for the Aztecs to be – a winning team this year. He doesn't necessarily have to be. I think what he, I think that we haven't really talked about UNLV yet. I think he and Armani Rogers in a lot of ways are in the same boat where we know they could be pretty good as runners, but there's still a lot of questions about what they're going to do when they step back and throw the football. And I think that maybe in both cases, and but especially for San Diego state, again, go back and look at what Ohio did last year. Go back and look at Nathan Rourke in particular, where he completed just under 60% of his passes. But, you know, you were talking about do they want him to have designed runs like five or six times a game? Maybe they do because Nathan Rourke ran the ball 115 times last year. Yeah. He scored 15 touchdowns. He averaged over eight yards per carry. Obviously, I don't necessarily know or think that Agnew is going to be able to match that 100%. But if he can get like, I don't know, 75, 80% of that, that I think could be huge for the offense as a whole, but to me, that just strikes me as a very big if. Yeah, it's because part of it, they say the offense isn't going to change. That's a pretty big change to the offense. Yeah. Even if they're doing a handful of plays. And when I mean play like Chapman, I just mean protect the ball and not get, like what he did. He doesn't turn the ball over. He was reasonably good in touchdowns. Like, that's my point. No, 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 I get what you're saying. But also, completion rate, like, Agnew was only 51% last year. He -hmm. got sacked 23 times. Yeah, his yards per attempt were barely over six yards. Those are not good numbers, and I get it. He was thrown into start, then they split time later in the year. But to be honest, this quarterback last year, the whoever was playing Chapman or Agnew, was probably the worst in a couple of years. It was, and so like for people who always get on me talking about QB play with Aztecs, like I always say, and I'll still say, if they have a pretty good QB play, could find receivers, they're almost unbeatable. But they've never found the right right combination to go with the right quarterback and maybe throw a touch more with the talent overall to be that team. Like they have yeah. the defense, running game is here. They had here's the, they had the tight end last year. 
they had an NFL caliber NFL guy at tight end, and they rarely used him last year. He started Clue uh, Warren. He led the team receptions, only 31 catches. If he's that good, give him the ball more. Give whoever it is. But until I see, like, I don't get to that get to that point. But quarterback is a huge question mark for me, and I know they have the security with the running game pretty good, but the offensive line being rebuilt with about half the unit, if they're not depth, the guy or two goes down for injury or for performance, that's a big if. And I don't trust Agnew to, if he's completing every other pass to to unknown receivers, how good are they going to be on offense? Unknown, but maybe some upside. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, but yeah, Tim Wilson's their leading receiver. But at the same time, you know, three of the four guys who could play big roles in this year's offense at wide receiver and at tight end mm-hmm. are either sophomores or redshirt freshmen. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you know they they lost Fred Trevelyan to graduation. They lost Tim Wilson to a medical retirement, mm-hmm. and now you know Ethan Dedeau is the number one guy. He only had thirty five targets last year. And he might be kind of an efficiency type weapon, but you know beyond him, it's a lot of a lot of promise. But also, but the, you know, with that promise comes a lot of questions because Kobe Smith, you know, he did play pretty well during the spring game. I think he has the inside track to at least one of the starting roles. But he's also a sophomore, and you know, opposite Parker Houston, a tight end who might be pretty good himself. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll find out. We'll find out how much of a bigger role he carves for himself. But they might also, you know, implement, you know, Nick Petir into the offense as well. But he's a retro freshman. So if there are some growing pains in that regard, maybe they drop more passes than they did last year. I don't have those numbers in front of me. But if you do that, that's not good. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's a problem. Sorry. Like if that, bi- if that big play element isn't there like it was at times last year, you know, and it, the inexperience kind of shows mm-hmm. through and a opposing defenses are really able to lock down that passing game. That's just going to put more stress on the running game, which, yeah, I just, I keep coming back to the same point. And I don't necessarily know if I want to repeat it again. It's just, it seems like, you know, one potential concern kind of bleeds into another. Yeah. Everywhere <laughs> That's what we're getting offense. at here. After us chatting back and forth, offensive line replacement players, injuries, Agnew starting. He didn't play that great last year. They lose their two best receivers. It's like, it's but, like, it's like a house of cards. If one thing goes away, it's going to crumble. You know what I mean? But oh man, what do you got? Give us some positive here. What do we got? And this is a this is a good but. Okay, good, excellent. That's what they need here. They're tuning away, Matt. <laughs> the defense should be awesome. Yes, they may have the defensive player of the year on this lineup, possibly. Kaiva Tizino. Mm-hmm. That's who I voted and- for last year. Yeah, and when you look at last year's numbers, you know one of the things you notice is you know, the, the the disparity between how often the 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 offense struggled and how good the defense was. Even though they slipped a little bit late in the year, they still finished twenty fourth overall by defensive S and P plus, and you know on offense they were ninety second. So you can see that split between the two units. In a lot of ways, you know they were well above average you know they were a top 10 unit against the run last year by S&P plus they were just inside the top 50 by defense so they didn't really have a lot of weaknesses you know maybe they wore down a little bit late in the year just because the offense struggled kept them on the field more often than they were accustomed to or something like that you know and they're bringing you know not only to Zeno back but you know they've got Troy Cassidy coming back right next to him at linebacker. They've got Andrew Alecki, who's seen a lot of time over the last couple of years. Yep. So they've got a solid 
linebacker foundation around him. They've got what is potentially, I don't know, is the ceiling for this secondary maybe the best in the group of five? Best in group of five? Ooh, I... I, I, see a, I see the ceiling for it's... this year's San Diego State secondary and defending against the pass as being very similar to what Fresno State's was last year. Yeah, Trey Thompson, really good. Darren Hall, possibly the best cornerback in the conference. And he's only a sophomore, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you got. Uh, I know Utah State has some good guys back there. Trent Thompson, pretty good, but also the depth too. Like guys who've played. Like, yeah, they lose Parker Baldwin, big deal. Ron Smith is gone, but like Tyler Hawkins, uh, Luke Barku, they've always guys who play ten plus games as well, and they've been fairly productive as well. We're like looking at just one quick note, one interesting. Uh, Guy here, look at Kyrie Woods. 13 games, okay, part-time player. Had still had four and a half sacks and, like, not even one of their – or TFLs. Like, he was down on the list in four pass breakups and wasn't a starter. He steps up into a maybe more prominent playing time. This unit – you're right. I, I – I, okay, spoiler, or honestly, I haven't done the whole research on every group of five team, which you probably haven't either, Matt. But it's a pretty big statement to say they'll be that good. And they could be better than that, too. Like, they could be – like, this unit – Defensively, depending on the metrics, could be top twenty potentially. Oh yeah, higher. They are really, really good. Like the defense is always going to be good, but is that a stronger position? Let me ask you this: Is that secondary better than their linebacking group? You think? Yes. Ooh, no hesitation and, there. And and here's why: because for as good as Tizino is, one of the questions that especially that the front six is going to have to answer throughout the year is who else is going to rush the passer because, or, or who else is just going to be disruptive period because Tizino did it all last year. You know, he had what eight and a half sacks, six to, that, that can't be right. <laughs> How many tackles for loss did he have? Cause I'm looking at a typo probably. For who? Tizino? For Tizino. Yeah. That 14 and a half. That sounds about right. I was looking at Phil Steele. I was like, wait a minute. He, he, I know he had more than six and a half tackles for loss. All right. Tweet but, Phil Steele and take a screenshot of your magazine and say, Phil, go back to the Phil, Print this Phil, again. All those hours of work just <laughs> totally wasted. Anyway. Um, but what, you know, one thing I want to point out is you mentioned the tackles for loss that Kyrie Woods had. He and Thompson were second on the team as far as guys were coming back for 2019 and tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Nobody else in that front seven had more than like, uh, well, Cassidy had four, four, so he's right there. Cassidy had four. Mm-hmm. They're replacing pretty much all three of their starters plus their main backup on the defensive line. That's an issue. And up front, they're going to. That's the one unit on the team that might be more reliant on young guys stepping up in roles than than any other. You know, they've got potentially three or four sophomores who could be playing very prominent roles, like guys like Cameron Thomas, Connor Mitchell, Sean Banks. Yeah. They and, played and, 25 games. And, you know, I feel like given their track record, I'm comfortable giving the Aztecs the benefit of the doubt. But that's one of those lingering questions is, you know, are they going to be able to be as good against the run as they were last year? Are they going to be just as disruptive overall? Because I think I don't necessarily think they need like two Kaivazinos, if that makes sense. Dude, I'd love to have two on my team. Any team would love but, to have two. Oh, those guys. I guess that's true. <laughs> they, 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 you know, if they do end up with two Kaivazinos, I don't think any Aztecs fans are going to be complaining. But I think they just need to take a step forward in that regard and just, you know, 
I'm not saying it's going to take a huge improvement, but you know, you look at their stuff rate and, and finishing 57th nationally with a, like a 19% stuff rate maybe sounds fine. But I think if you asked a lot of Aztecs fans who have grown accustomed to having really good defenses, you know, that may not be good enough. You know, and the fact that they had a sack rate on defense of just under 6%, that was 73rd nationally, that might not be good enough either. So there is room for improvement, even with the obvious strengths that this team is likely to have. So you say David can be really good, very confident, whoever's going to step up on the D-line to be really good because part of it, we know Rocky Long is a great defensive guy. They do the three three five where you can kind of uh, disguise coverages to make things different. So that is, I guess that's, we you know, you just mentioned it, but that's, I like the defensive scheme can allow for new guys to come in and kind of not make up for their deficiencies, but provide a different look to help them out to achieve the maximum success. Like they make yeah, good... I mean, if, if they're just more like they were in the first half of last year, let's not forget, you know, when they were winning those close games, you know, you go back and look at what they were doing on scoring defense, and I know that's a real basic measure, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, they held Arizona State to 21 points. They held Boise to 13. They held Air Force to 17. And, you know, while that eventually flipped, again, that's the upside for this defense is if they can hold things together – and, and kind of drag the offense toward more wins. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so overall they're going to be fine, but that back half will be really probably – would it be the defense that maybe the be- – oh, them and Utah State probably have the best defenses overall, right? The best proven defenses, I yeah. would say. Yeah, oh, so what's the caveat there? What teams well, – I mean, you're, I mean like, obviously you're forgetting Boise State, I know. which we'll talk about at some I, point. Hey, I, I know what teams I'm talking about. I'm just saying – Utah State. I would, I would also Derrick throw. Rivera, I would also throw Fresno State and Wyoming in that conversation. I know. Still. I'm just saying. I know. I know. I'm trying to give Aztecs some love here. Come on, I need to get some. Yeah, no, I got you. A, I got a little you. bit, but to be honest, like these guys, like it might be the best back seven in the league. Essentially, it's up it's there. It's going to be a back seven that could keep them in a lot of games. Because we, I filled out the all conference sheet and linebacker. Oh boy, some people aren't going to be happy. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The, People should know Logan Wilson, Tizino, um, Woodward. You have uh, a lot of other teams to blink on a few guys. Yeah. A I should know more, I, but I, I made a change to the voting, and in looking back on it, it, it seems really mean. Just and because you... inside, inside linebacker is extremely loaded in the Mountain West this fall. Hey, you play the position you play. That's good. That's to, true. You got to hey, be the best inside linebacker you can be, I guess. That's true. I mean, I've talked about this before. It's like, you know, why are you going to have four DBs and vote for like four cornerbacks and zero safeties? That's lame. That is lame. Linebackers a touch different, but your point is valid. Yeah. Anything else about the defense we need to mention besides it being probably really good? I think we're all set in that regard. Just um, TBD on the defensive line. Watch who's going to step up because that'll be the probably the – I'll say that's the biggest obvious, – obviously, it's like clearly Captain Obvious. That's the biggest uh, issue on defense. But then again – Keep the trust in Rocky Long, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so good special teams. John Barron is gone. Oh, no. What are they going to do? The Noble Order Westeros. <laughs> Kicksteros, excuse me. There we go. I, I was going to say there's probably some people yelling at their stereos right now. Uh, yeah, he's perfect from from PATs, 11 to 14, within 40 yards, 6 of 8, 40 plus. So it might be uh, – I don't know who it's going to be at the moment. I wish I had in front of me. But here's the thing that could be interesting. Punter, fine, whatever. Brandon Heck, Hecklin. 
He'll be good. He knows what he's doing back there. Special teams, kick returning. This has always been pretty good. Like, is Jordan Washington going to take over again and be the kick return guy? He did it last year. They may stick with Jordan Bird. They could find maybe Chaz, Chase Jasmine, another running back. And or, it, there's so many options they have. I assume they go with what works to put the best player out there. But I guess they need well, a part returner, I guess. that's another one of those things that wasn't quite what it was last year. No. In the same way that it had been in the years past. You know, if you just look at Penny. raw kick return average, they were seventh in the conference last year. Not they good. averaged less than 20 yards per return. Mm-hmm. And and you can't really exempt Washington from that because it's, you know he averaged a shade over twenty yards mm-hmm. per return, but he didn't necessarily light things up on special teams in the same way that he had in years past. Maybe some of that was by design, just because you know he's he's the number one running back now. You don't want to necessarily overextend him. Hey, Penny did it with special teams player of the year. So you know whoever ends up taking that job full time, you know whether it is Washington or whether they turn to someone like Jordan Bird or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's another one of those instances where you know we saw them exploit that advantage in years past, but it wasn't there last year, and that was another one of those real little things that turned on them. Well, I remember watching like um, when they played Boise State a couple of times years past, like when they won, I think they won the blue special teams uh, defensive touchdown was the key reason they won. Yeah, or not defense. Excuse me, special teams t- touchdown kick return. And I remember, did it make some weird bold thing a year or two ago? Like, watch there be a good kick return. There's like some random short kick, and some guy took it like 20 yards inside the 10 because the kick was wobbly or something. So case in case in point, they were 101st nationally last year in average starting field position on offense. Do you have what they were the year before? Uh, not in front of me now. Okay, probably better than that, right? <laughs> I would imagine so. All right, so let's um, I think let's take a quick break. Is it time for schedules next? Let's do it. Schedules and questions, folks. That's what we'll be talking about here in just a minute. All right. Time to get to the good old questions and schedule section of the podcast here. Welcome back, folks. If you took a break, cool. Thank you. All right. Schedule. I, I've been filling, Matt. I've been filling out the schedule kind of as we've been going. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty, ew, it looks like I'm pretty bullish on the Aztecs here. But here's the thing they play Weber State week one, who. Our back-to-back Big Sky champs only predicted third this year in the Big Sky, just if you're wondering about that. But So it's not a pushover game. That's what I'm saying. Should it be... just me or did I see that like seven different Weber State players were voted to the all-Big Sky preseason team? Hey, they play in the the Big Sky is the SEC of the FCS, Matt, if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they have talent. I think they had, I want to say they had the national freshman of the year running back last year. Probably wrong, but they had a good running back. So... This is a game where, it, again, it's going to be a win, but it's not going to be a pushover victory. We're going to just crush you and do anything. This will be a good test for their defense because Weber State puts up a lot of points. I've seen them play a handful of times here in my neck of the woods. So they, like I said, it'll be a challenge. I'd rather play an FBS team, but it's better than playing some of the lower, lower FCS opponents. So, mm-hmm. But it's going to be a win. That's all I can say because they're giving – Still 94% chance to win. The defense will hold whoever's running the ball or passing the ball, but don't be surprised if maybe Weber State puts up, I can see, almost 20 points in this game. Maybe. Yeah. So then they go to UCLA. Oh, boy. They go to the Rose Bowl, Matt. That's pretty big, right? It is. <laughs> they go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, it is a uh, Chip Kelly's year two of him trying to um, organize uh, – not organize this – well, it's good. that's kind of a lame joke. Oregon organized the team to be better like Oregon. Get it, get it together in Pasadena. <laughs> Essentially, get it together. Yeah, it's, uh, are you surprised it's basically a toss-up? 
Uh, yes and no. I mean, what's the S portion of that? I mean, UCLA did get a little bit better down the stretch last year, and yeah, they won some games. <laughs> they did. I mean, and they might have been a little bit unlucky too, just because late in the year, you know, they had a three-point loss at Arizona State. They had a seven-point loss at home against Stanford. So, I think, you know, they definitely still have an uphill climb in the Pac-12 South. But they've got a lot of pieces coming back pretty much everywhere. You know, they've still got their starting quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who showed flashes last year. You know, they, they're missing Caleb Wilson. They, he went to the NFL, but they do have Theo Howard coming back. You know, they have, what, their four of their top five pass catchers from last year coming back, excepting Wilson. And they have five, excuse me, six of their top tacklers on defense coming back. So this is an opportunity for, for growth, uh, you know, for the Bruins this year. I'm not necessarily expecting them to be threatening for the division title or anything like that. Everybody knows that's going to Utah, right? Heck yeah, go Utah. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this should be maybe a better test of where the Aztecs are at than a lot of people might realize. I think it's going to be a good matchup for both teams. Part of it, too, a little bit, they UCLA loses a quarterback, new QB out there, essentially. Well, Wilton Spade's not there, but they have a transfer. Darian Tops is probably the guy. But running backs are back. You mentioned receivers are there. This will be a pretty good test because Chip Kelly's going to turn things around. He's a good coach. And so going from year one to year two, they'll be much better. With that established running game, they'll probably lean on that a lot, which, like we mentioned, that front three for San Diego State is going to be pretty green and young. That could be something to clearly watch for if, I assume, UCLA would try to take advantage of that and run mm-hmm. run a lot more with a good running back and Joshua Kelly there. So this, I think a toss-up is right. So why do you say no? You say yes and no. What's the no part of that? Because all the talent you mentioned, they're coming back. Yeah, but I think that they're still lacking in a lot of ways. Like, they're bringing a lot back on defense, for instance. I think they're only having to replace, what, one starter, maybe? But that was yeah, still a defense safety, yeah. that – there was still a defense that, you know, lagged behind. They were 97th by S&P Plus last year. Yeah. So, you know, if they can get a little bit better in that regard, they could throw a wrench into the conference race. But – I'm still a little bit iffy on that happening right away. Here's a quick thing. You say they gotten better, which they barely did. I remember because I was watching this during my radio show I do here in town. Like, okay, we're talking, look at Pac-12, UCLA, all this stuff. They're 0-1, 0-2. They make a bowl game. They beat a bad Cal team. They beat Arizona. They basically, they beat all three teams who not, did not go to a bowl game last year. Arizona, Cal, and USC. Cal so, went to a bowl game. Oh, Cal did? Wait. Oh, who did, who, who did play? I'm mistaken that. That was the the legendary Cheez-It Bowl. How could you forget? You mean the 24 interception game? Yeah. That that game game does not count. Sorry. Sorry. There was, okay, one one of three victories was against a bowl team in the worst possible bowl game this century. Plus. Uh, Saying this century in 19 years isn't uh, do it justice. The worst bowl game in probably 60 years. I about to say, you might be forgetting that three to nothing Sun Bowl that happened like a decade ago, though. I, I recall. I know. I'm with it. I know. <laughs> anyway. But, okay, my point is um, UCLA, UCLA, UCLA was bad last year, really bad. They did not play well. I know there's a lot of hiccups. But here's the thing, too, what helps out uh, the Aztecs. 
Open, did, you, did you see who the Bruins play opening weekend? Uh, it's at Cincinnati, right? Yeah, Cincinnati. Um, I did a thing for Underdog Dynasty. At Bearcats are my uh, might be my pick to go to the New Year's Six game, possibly on on a Thursday though. I know they get a little bit. They'll have rest. a little extra time to prepare. Yeah, but Aztecs play Weber FCS team Weber State. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going. How do we do this? Um, Aztecs for the win. I'm calling it. I think it's going to be a really close win, but I have it as an Aztecs win as well. Oh, I thought you were say Bruins there. He got fooled me almost. Good job. Nope. <laughs> All right, here nah. we go real quick. Didn't they go to the – oh, also real quick, um, the in the – what I hate the most, that game's on the Pac-12 network because that's already out there, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. So do what you got to do to get the game right. Exactly. Hey, yeah. we got a partnership with Fubo again, so check that out when it comes time. So there you go. That's how you watch it. Um, didn't they go to uh, – no, they don't go anywhere. They return home to – no, they're on the road again. Sorry. New Mexico State. Victory. Is there much to say about the uh, Aggies? We talked to them uh, about the team a couple times. You did a write up since they play Fresno, San Diego State, and uh, one other team, right? They play New Mexico. Obviously. Oh, geez, how could I forget the Rio Grande rivalry? Jeez, um, it should be a win, right? That should be a win. Also, keeping up with the TV coverage, even though we're here in mid July, no TV at the moment. There may not be TV for, at the, for this game. Oh, come on, man. Last year, I do remember 11 sports carried some of the Mexico State games. So, again. It's tw- it's 2019. Somebody put, her, put that game on Twitch or something. <laughs> exactly. Again, Fubo hooked you up for that, so we'll keep an eye on that again. But right now, it's uh, no TV. But uh, is there anything we need to tell Aztec fans about the um, Aggies that maybe didn't listen to other shows or read your piece, Matt? Um. Honestly, I think it would be easier for them to just kind of pause right here, go read the piece real quick, and then come back and do listen they, to the um, qu- This is a totally ignorant question. Do they have Larry Rose III anymore? They do not. Okay. He's not there, so that's not good. I, that's the one They do have an All-American running back, though. They do. I got the roster here. Hold on. Let me pull up with something here to give them a little tidbit here. They do have um, – no, that's receiving group. Sorry. Scrolling, scrolling. Jason Huntley. Yep. Who – is he really an all-American candidate? He didn't lead the team in rushing last year. He had only 505 yards. Yeah, but but hold on, hold on. I'm gonna pull this up because I did, no, I did this research, and, and if you read the article, then you would know this already. I must not have. I apologize. Yeah, you know, he had 500 yards rushing. How many games right? did he play? Did he play like four games? Uh, he's also the team's leading receiver. He had 500 yards through the air. There we go. That's what we're talking as a about. receiver. Had 10 total touchdowns, okay. and on top of that. He also averaged over 27 yards per kick return and had three touchdowns. Do everything, Mr. Uh, Huntley there. There we go. So, in other words, he is basically New Mexico State's Juwan Washington. There we go. So, there's that. They have a quarterback um, returning starting last year. So, and uh, Josh Atkins. They have a, they have some decent talent coming back. The most receiving group is back, so check that out. They have a Baylor transfer. Who knows what he'll do there in a Tony Nicholson Offensive line is um, about half of its back. They have a lot of guys starting who are returning who didn't start every game last year, but a handful. So it's it's going to be a win, but it's um, there's some some maybe some cracks for um, against the Aztecs team that they need to show up in this game. Yeah, that's that's the way I put it. But it's you, um, victory, correct? Mm-hmm. Did they host Utah State? Do you know the hatred level of Aztecs to Aggies? Are you very familiar with that at all, or do you have any idea? I mean, my first inclination is to say that there's not much, but I'm from your tone. No, no, I'm with you. I'm just curious. <laughs> you think that there's, 
there's, there's more than I'm expecting there to be. No, I'm just uh, just messing with you because I had no idea either. Um, this um, it's going to be an Utah State victory for me if you listen to our prior show. And if you're a first-time listener here, as I keep mentioning that quite a bit, during the conference part of these games, we're not going to go through every game in depth too much just because we've talked about those teams a lot. There's no reason to rehash the Rams, Cowboys, Spartans, uh, Rebels, Wolfpack type stuff each game. But this will be, depending on what Utah State's offense is, Matt, it's going to test his Aztec secondary quite a bit. Oh, yeah. It just depends who Utah State um, is uh, on the receiving end of those Jordan Love uh, bullets and dimes they throw out there. Here's a fun fact, though. What do you got? San Diego State has actually won 10 in a row against Utah State. But when's the last time they played? Uh, 2015, I believe, or 2016. So the sort of dark ages for Aggie football, you're saying, right? Yeah, it was 2016, rather, yeah. 10 in a row, really? The, the last time Utah State beat the Aztecs was 1967. Wonder was it Utah State in the Big West back then? <laughs> I mean, in, I wouldn't. Independent, I don't know that off maybe. The top of my head. I don't know. That's. I know they don't play a ton because realignment. They are in the league in 2012. I want to say they're in opposite divisions. Utah State's only won once this game. You're right, 1967. Are you? I assume you're looking at the same thing I am now, Winspedia? <laughs> uh, no, I'm looking at Phil Steele. He actually got uh, that one right. Oh, good, good job, Phil. Here's the, <laughs> here's the thing about this. Yes, it's 10 in a row. But So they played um, really quick. 2016, blowout victory for Aztecs, 40-13. to 13. 2015, same blowout, 48-14, both in um, or down in San Diego. Then they played when there's the Whack Mount West, 2010, 41-7. Do you know the last time they played before that, Matt? I do not. You'd go all the way back to 1977. Interesting. So there's a huge gap. So in the Mountain West, they're 2-0 against Utah State. I think that's going to change. I like what the Aztecs can do, um, but my main thing is the uh, def- like here at Utah State show, their defense, and even this show, is really, really good. And I think they'll be able to do enough to stop it. And Jordan Love's good enough, even with inexperienced receivers and a new offensive line. May not obviously. I don't think he'll put up what he did what he did last year, but I think there'll be enough, and this will be a fun game to watch to see how he can uh, maneuver around that secondary. Definitely. But I'm going uh, Aztecs defeat. All right, and then they go to whoa, whoa, whoa. Colorado wait, wait, State, wait, wait. right? I need your 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 mention. What do you got? Oh yeah, well, if you listen to our Aggies podcast, you already know. No, I have that as a Utah State win. Okay, well, we still got to mention. You got to at least mention the win or loss. You I'm can't, sorry, I forgot. You can't tell people I to, I had. to go back to those games. Uh, see, you're right. CSU ten five at home. October that's uh, October fifth. There, folks. Um, each time I do a preview or we do about uh, look at different teams, I am not liking call. I'm I'm getting less and less uh, likable or liking Colorado State. <laughs> and I think there's a good reason behind that. Even if Colin Hill is healthy. I'm no, just... I mean, I'm definitely with you, but I think that this game and maybe some of the ones that follow, it's one of the kind of the sub-narratives to 2019 is just getting back to being really good on the road again. Because that was one of the things that really turned for them last year is they were only two and three away from SC, excuse me, SD CCU Stadium. And you have to go back at least a decade to find the last time they had a losing record on the road. Oh, interesting. It's pretty good, right? Or excuse me, excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong row. You have to go back to 2014. Excuse mm-hmm. me. So losing record on the road. 
Yeah, so it's kind of a rare instance that they suffered through last year. But you know, if they want to get back on the winning track, you know, winning these games on the road against teams that they probably should beat, which again, I have this as a San Diego State win as well, is going to be really key to whatever ceiling they're able to reach this year. I think they'll win this game quite easily. All right, because well, I I say how I sour on the Rams really quick. I do like the receiving group with Warren Jackson and. Shoot, the Auburn transfer that coming in. Well, he may not even be ready for this game. Well, he should be ready for this game in you know, week five, six. I like Colin Hill, but that defense is just oh, terrible. And well, and, and also San Diego State is 81% to win that game by S&P Plus. There's that too, yeah, exactly. All right, so let's move on to the next game here. So we're sitting at here. So if we're here through October, the first week of October, if they're 4-1, and one, are they going to be ranked for you? No. No, because Utah State lost. Mm-hmm. Well, that really quick question: At three and would they be ranked? No, even with the victory over a mediocre UCLA team. <laughs> no, they would not. Okay, then they host Wyoming, which a pretty this will be a low scoring game. I'm assuming, just because of uh, which is interesting because S and P Plus gives Aztecs a three quarters chance plus one to win, twelve mm-hmm. point margin victory. That is extremely high. Even though I'm not a fan of that Wyoming offense, we'll see what Sean Chambers can do and who can run the ball well or not. But that defense with Logan Wilson and other guys on there is going to be very, very difficult to stop. And so this is probably going to be like one of those, like whoever gets to uh, 17 points maybe could win this one. I mean, it strikes me as being a lot like Fresno State's the, the Fresno State game last year. Mm-hmm. Where you know maybe the Aztecs have a little bit of success early on, but what are they going to be able to do against a good defense? Yeah, you know, we saw them scuffle to really move the ball against Fresno. We saw them really scuffle to move the ball against Boise, even though they won that game. And this just strikes me as another one of those kinds of situations where you know the defense can hold the line, but what is the offense going to do? And if you know whether it's losing the turnover battle. Whether it's just you know punt after punt after punt, I, I mean S and P has this one I think at like what seventy six percent for San Diego State, but I'm just mm-hmm. not seeing it. I mean neither. It's going to be almost a toss up, right? Maybe sixty forty. I I mean I guess. Well, I mean because I like like I said I don't like the one mean offense all that much, but the defense can overshadow that and make up for any deficiencies they have. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's going to be pretty close. Like I said, it might be like a 17 to 10 game. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. And I'm going, um, uh, I was going to say Spartans. No, Aztecs. Next week is the Spartans. Where victory, let's move on to UNLV, Matt. Wait, wait, you, you forgot. I mean, you left me behind this you got, time. You got win. You said win for San Diego State. No, I said they were going to lose to Wyoming. Oh, I, geez, I need to clear my ears here. Really? Lose? Okay, we need to step Well, you didn't back. give me the opportunity to say it. Jeez. They were going to lose to Wyoming, but they did. I have that as a San Diego State loss. Interesting. Aztec fans are going to come after you, Matt. Well, I'm used to it. We we got it covered. I'm just. I I do. I do, however, have them beating San Jose State. So do I. But a home, losing at home to Wyoming, really? I think that yeah, it's possible. That's your stupid upset pick for this game, I guess. This week, this team. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it that for now. <laughs> Okay, move on. Move on to UNLV on the road. We have not talked about the Rebels yet, so this will be a surprise if you listen to every show of what we're picking here. This is a seventy-two um, percent chance to win at UNLV, which seems kind of high. Again, with Rebels, Armani Rogers if he's healthy, 
And if he can throw the ball and not like stupid turnovers, which is lame to say, oh, just don't turn the ball over, you'll win, be fine. UNLV and San Diego State are sort of rivals. Is there a trophy in this one? I forget. There's a lot of trophies in this conference. Is there anything in on this board? particular matchup? There is not. There should be. Right. I guess if we have any suggestions, hit us up on Twitter. Can we get just a, can we just get an Aztec with a mustache? <laughs> be <a> trophy. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Just I don't know. Uh but UNLV again, it's hard to judge the Rebels, and we'll talk about them later. But with them having guys not healthy, losing like Charles Williams or running back like Charles Williams would be there, but guys last year not playing well, getting chewed out by the coach to hey, kicking the butt to play better. I don't really know what to expect from the Rebel team until we actually see him play a couple games. If mm-hmm. Rodgers is healthy and guys they have coming back who are on this team who we know will be uh, pretty good, they could win this game. Because we've seen they them. Won, they won this game last year. They did, but there are a lot of injuries on that Aztec side. This, well, as of right now, there are no injuries, so we have to put that in there. But they did win it last year, but it's, let's just say both teams were at their peak and healthy. I could still see Rebels winning this game. Like, would it shock you if UNLV were to win this game at home? I guess it would just depend on whether the running game get the same kind of traction they did last year, which was really what led the way. You know, Lexington Thomas in last year's matchup, mm-hmm. he averaged over six yards a carry. He had 133 yards, and Could he tr- was really the guy that made it all happen. Can Charles Williams do that for them? I think he's got that upside. And also, I believe, if I remember correctly, that was pretty much the best game that Max Gillian played all season long. Probably. Yeah, it was that was kind of at the tail end of that adjustment period from losing Rodgers to starting Gillian. Obviously, it's going to be a different situation this time around if Rodgers is healthy. So it's not going to be quite the same kind of game that we saw last year. So, I mean, I think that maybe there's a path for UNLB to turn the trick again. But as of right now, I don't really see it. I have that one as a San Diego State win. Yeah, I think with the defense, they'll get after Rodgers because what he likes to do, and we know he, we know his, their offense is more efficient when he's out there because he can run the ball well, he extends the pocket, and if Williams has a good running game, that'll be their keys for winning. I think Washington, not Washington, um, sorry, um, yeah, Washington, sorry, too many good aspect running backs. So Washington will have a good game, but. It'll take Rodgers have a, like you mentioned, Jillian had his best game. It'll take Rodgers probably having a top tier game to get a victory. Mm-hmm. So I'm you're you and me with a victory for the uh, good old Aztecs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we got Nevada. If you listen to our Nevada show, both of, I believe, um, Matt, is it Nevada like one of your teams you are pretty high on? Uh, yes, they are. And we both had Aztec loss in this game, correct? That is correct. I mean, this this three-game stretch to start November mm-hmm. is pretty much going to tell the story of the season for the Aztecs because they get both Nevada and Fresno State at home before traveling to Hawaii. Yeah, and then it's Saturday to Friday for that Nevada-Fresno swing. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and play BYU, who we'll see how they are. They, they might be playing for bowl eligibility at that point, so... But that stretch is, you're right, going to make or break, not make or break their season, but actually it will. Because if they want to win the division, those are the three best teams in the West Division with the San Diego State. They're the top teams out there. Yeah. And so we know what Nevada kind of does. they got Talatua running the ball. They, we, if you heard a Nevada show, they still have a quarterback conundrum of, I guess not conundrum, but decision to make who's going to start. It's down in San Diego. 
I I remember we said Nevada show. I'm I don't want to change my pick because that's kind of lame. Maybe we'll make a maybe have picks possibly for like our some big preview show right before the season begins. Talking about the Aztecs, I they could easily win. I'm not gonna. That's why it's a tough choice to make. Like it's a well, first of all. I'm just not looking at percentage. I must have not done last time, or I forgot. Seventy-one mm-hmm. percent, Matt. Mm-hmm. That's like off the chart. But I think Aztecs defense takes care of business. Or I mean, cannot. Okay. Sorry, no, no. Sorry, apologies. Sorry, cannot. Because hey, we got the. Oh, is it a wolf raid? What are we calling it again? The wolf attack, air raid, air wolf attack, teen wolf throwing the ball. It should be called the airwolf. What was it called? I forget. Because I like the airwolf that we came up with. Was it wolf attack? Wolf pack attack? Is that what it is? I don't remember. I don't remember. It's not as good as airwolf, right? <laughs> Clearly, come talk to us, Jane Norvell. We got we got you covered. But as I'm rambling there, I think we're both extremely high in Nevada because the offense is going to be there, and they have. Let's just say it. This will game will feature. Will this feature the two best running backs in the conference? It very well could be. Yeah. Who's your number three on your list? I know we filled it out already. Who do you got? Um, do you remember oh who you have? I have, to, I have to go back and look at my top individual top fifty. I forget who I put. I think Gerald Bright, Ronnie Rivers, I believe. Okay, okay, all right, gotcha. Um, but what's your reasoning why Nevada would not win this game? Just to give Aztec fans a little bit, without having to go back to listen to our full Wolfpack show recently that we did. I mean, if you're looking for bad luck. You know, if you go back and look at last year's game, San Diego State's post-game win expectancy just by Bill Connolly's five factors was 88%. And they lost that game last year. <laughs> Yikes. So, you know, maybe you're you're looking at it as a fluke that isn't necessarily going to repeat itself again. But again, I think that what you mentioned, you know, if the offense comes together, it's still going to pose a pretty tough test. And San Diego State had won eight of the last nine before last year against the Wolfpack. So I think they they have history on their side. They're going to have home field advantage on their side. But to me, it just kind of comes down to what is the offense going to do? Can they do it, though? Or are you still waiting to see? No. Oh, no. I'm going to keep things real simple for you right now. Do it. Keep it simple. And I hate to say it. They lost all three games against Nevada, Fresno State, and Hawaii last year. Do it again? They're going to lose all three of them again. Oh! Spicy. So, next game, Fresno State lost for San Diego State. Hey, me too. Same thing because uh, we've seen, whatever, we've done our Fresno show. You can go listen to that if you want. But so I'm curious. I'm curious about your thoughts on this Hawaii game, though. That's I. That's the game. It's a blank for me right now. Because right now I have every win loss filled in. That's one where it's a blank. Give me your uh, pitch as to why Hawaii's going to win this game. Well, I mean, the offense was able to do just enough to, kind of, you know, to enable the defense to hang on for dear life. It also helps when that that fade delay with your backup quarterback. That's true. <laughs> don't don't do that again if you're in that situation, San Diego State. Wide open guy um, too. I remember wide open. I mean, I don't know if Cole McDonald is necessarily going to throw for 450 yards against this defense again. Please do that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and it is just like a one-game sample. But what if the run and shoot is a strong antidote for this 3-3-5 defense? Hey, 
Oh, interesting. You think so? I mean, maybe. I guess we'll find out in this offense. Did you know Cole McDonald played with a bloody scrotum last year? Sorry, got yes, gra- sorry to get graphic there, folks, but he played hurt and played well still. And even if he doesn't necessarily <laughs> throw the ball all over the place like he did last year in this game, you know, you would expect that the running game could be a little bit better than it was in this matchup. Also, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so, you know, I, I fully expect it to be the same kind of back and forth affair that we saw last year. But I, tr- I mean, Aztecs can't keep saw, up. Though. We saw Hawaii's offense solve this defense last year. Yeah, and they like if it if it gets to be thirty plus, Aztecs can't keep up. Like I said, they're not going to throw the ball fifty times a game, thirty times a game. Heck, twenty two times a game might be their ceiling. Yeah, for their comfort and if they level, do, they're in say. trouble. Yeah, that's point. If they're throwing thirty plus times, something's wrong, and they can't keep up. But also, like to go back to like McDonald's injury really quick. In the first part of the year, he ran the ball. Part of the run and shoot was the zone read with one running back, essentially. He ran a reasonable amount last year. Imagine if he's healthy enough to worry about getting hit in the gut and missing a game or two because he has those injuries last year. And so if he can run freely, and I know the Aztec defense will be all, be all over him, but like last year, like looking at, he ran like he ran 96 yards versus CSU. Yeah, the Navy game wasn't good, but 40-plus yards versus Rice, 50, Duquesne, whatever, 62 versus Fresno State. He ran a reasonable amount of time. And so if he's healthy, he might run a little bit more. His attempts are what gives me more in- intrigue what he could do. He had double-digit running attempts in half over half the season last year. Mm-hmm. And so if he can do – I don't know what he'll do in the run and shoot, but if he's a threat to run, that just adds one more thing to what they can do. And yeah. with that, victory, Warriors. All right. Aztec fans are going to hate us, Matt. They're going to hate us. I think they already kind of hate us. Yeah, We'll get to the questions which when we answer those. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, final game. They come home to play rival BYU? Close <laughs> enough. Hate, mutually hated fan bases, BYU versus San Diego State. Have we mentioned BYU yet on any of our podcasts? Because I know, I know they play a few teams. They play Boise. We have. Utah State. We talked about them during our Utah State podcast. Okay. So not much has changed since then. Zach Wilson's arm is still after media day they had a couple weeks ago. He says he's all good. TBD on that because if he's not throwing correctly or at full strength, TBD. He did hang out with Drew Brees, whatever that's worth, if that makes any difference in your prediction, Matt, like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> here, If you want to hear about BYU, go back to that show, but it's the same as before. They have a really good run, tight end in Matt Bushman. They're running backs of a transfer from South Carolina and Rice. They defense is not as good as it used to be. And offensive line's your best position. You don't think the defense is going to be as good as it used to be? Not, not as good as last year, no. Losing, losing Corbin Kafusi, Sione Takitaki, no way. I mean, they've got a lot coming back regardless, though. Yeah, but it wasn't the good guys. In- inclu- including more Kafusis. There's always a Kafusi. Isaiah Kafusi. I didn't pretty realize good. Sorry. there were so many Kafusis. They've got two of them. It's in the like a. Uh, lineup, right? Uh, oh, two. I, I want to. I think so. Here's the thing. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's uh, Devin and Isaiah. I know Isaiah will be really good. It's like if you're from around here and you know them, it's either a Kafusi and a Reynolds guy. They're always on BYU okay. team. So Reynolds got okay. the offensive line handled down. Kafusi's got the defense down. Um, it's just not going to be as good as last year. But the big thing is, getting specifically to this game, 
the Aztec secondary will shut down anything that comes after them. Like Zach Wilson, yeah, he was perfect in that Idaho Potato Bowl versus Western Michigan. You're playing Western Michigan. That's not the Aztec defense here. I mean, Western Michigan is not a bad team. Compared defense compared to Aztecs, no, not not super close. And you know, I think if you look at what Wilson did down the stretch, you know, maybe take it with a grain of salt because they were playing. Thank what, you. I want favorites in New Mexico State down the stretch, mm-hmm. but you know, he played really well in those games. He played really well on the road at Boise. And for at least a half, wasn't it, that he played really well in the Holy War against Utah? He, they were up, and I was uh, kind of uh, clutching to have that victory go, winning streak go away. But yeah. So it's, it's in some ways, you know, thinking about BYU is almost kind of the opposite of San Diego State, where they had, I don't know if you would call it a late-season surge, because they were only 3-2. and two. Mm. But... Winning. You know, how much of that late surge that was, that a lot... You know, came down to Wilson is real, and I think that's the big question for the Cougars going into twenty nineteen. No, that's a question we have all the time. Our radio show, it's like, how good is Zach Wilson? How good is BYU when you're playing? Like your schedule, it's two parts. Not to go into BYU, but just so, like you mentioned, how good was he versus UMass and Liberty and whoever they're playing? They opened up the year. Utah, they got uh, Washington, they got USC, they got Tennessee. Back half, they play, I think, Toledo, San Diego State, obviously Utah State, middle of the season, late in the season as well, which is still a good team, but the difference in opponent is drastically changed there. They've no, never, I get that. That's my point. So it's like, it's hard to tell. That's why it's like, even for me, watches him closely for what I do, it's hard to know how good is he. He played well against a really good Utah defense, played well against Boise State, but he still struggled. But when he played NIU, he wasn't very good at all. Northern Illinois is a above average team. And so it is hard to tell how good this BYU team is where this will be the last game of the year. They've already played their first half as one of the toughest schedules in the country. Are they beat up? Are they injured? Are they going to be flying high because their schedule is playing teams that are stepped down? Like, oh, we can handle San Diego State. We can handle these teams because they're not the talent or the size of USC and Utah. So it's, okay. hard, it's hard to so judge. I have, a, I have, a, I I have a two-part question for you then. What do you got? Hope I got hopefully I got my two-part answer ready. Let's assume that Zach Wilson has a clean slate of health week one. Okay. And he plays all year long. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gets nicked up, maybe he doesn't, however you want to treat it. Hey, BYU quarterbacks getting injured is a yearly tradition. So, <laughs> Last year on offense by S&P Plus, BYU was 72nd. Mm-hmm. Are they better or worse than that in 2019? Only Zach Wilson's healthy or everybody's healthy? <laughs> let, let, let's assume, I don't know. Best case like scenario. Injury, but like, let's assume just Zach Wilson is healthy. And maybe there's some variations elsewhere with injury luck and everything like that. I, hmm, it's a good question there because I'm a Utah guy, so people say I'm bash on BYU, but most people in Mountain West don't like BYU, so I'm good standing there with everybody, <laughs> just because. Uh, he 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 has potential to be good, like you mentioned, Utah game, Boise game, going perfect versus Western Michigan, even though like his yards per attempt weren't great, he's still completing every pass. My issue is not him. It is the receiving core is garbage still, I will say it. Very bad. Matt Bushman's their best player. They do get Moroni Lotu Putatel back. I think that's correct how I say it. Uh, MLP. What are the few names I got, Matt? Him, I could possibly say. He's back from injury, but you know what? He's also a tight end. So what are you gonna do? They the running game is consisting of a two grad transfers. And they do have a guy Lapina uh, Cato who's pretty good running the ball. But Slightly better. 
It okay. will. Here's my reason why their schedule so difficult. They will have big swings of what they can do. So like they may not play no, no, well versus that. Tennessee, but I'm, play no, great. I'm, versus... I'm, I'm curious, you know, because they had that same kind of swing last year too. It's going to be that for the foreseeable future, essentially, from how their schedule set up. I, they here's okay, my here, so... here's what I want to see. Let me tell you this: for them to be pretty good team, they have to find somebody to run the ball, and for the life of them, find any receiver with a pulse that's good outside of Matt Bushman, who's you're not going to give your tight end 15 targets a game. Okay, so here's my follow up question then. Mm-hmm. S&P Plus also projects BYU to be 50th overall by S&P Plus. Overall? Overall. Are they a top 50 team in 2019? I will say yes because I think they'll go to the bowl game. But it'll be... And and just for the sake of comparison, just for the sake of Uh, comparison, San Diego State is projected to be 54th overall. Hmm. Does S&P Plus take a consideration? It takes a consideration strength of schedule, right? Who you play? I believe it does a little bit. So that's probably why BYU might get the edge a little bit, I would say. Like they, no, they do. They they take into consider who you play. That's why some teams with bad records get ranked high. I mean, I think if things break well for BYU this year, and especially if Zach Wilson can stay healthy, I think they could be pretty good. I'll see it when I believe it. Because I have that one as a BYU win. What? I do. Oh, Matt. Oh, boy. What about you? No, Aztecs win. Okay. I right. am confident. See, Aztec fans, I'm I'm not pandering. I'm serious. I won't trust BYU until I see what they can do because we saw what happened versus Utah State last year. We saw multiple games, NIU games. They, I know they play well Utah and Boise, but I – Maybe I'm biased a little bit, but I just for the schedule they have for the whole year, and then what they have at the moment and running and receiving, I don't I don't really trust it all that well to be more than maybe a seven win team. And maybe it could be injuries pile up because their schedule is pretty brutal. The front end, like really quick, like if they're a top fifty team, really quick, I'll run through the schedule. Like they're not going to beat Utah. They probably won't beat Tennessee. They're not going to beat USC even though it's home. They're going to get rushed by Washington. Toledo's a toss-up. They go to USF. They get Boise. They're not beating Utah State on the road. They'll beat Liberty, Idaho State, UMass. Like, to be honest, I only see three 100% wins for them on their schedule this year. That's, That's it. fair. Right? Like, all these games are toss-up. Like, not to dive into BYU that much, but they play a bunch of the teams. It's – we'll see. That's what I'm saying. Like, they'll they'll probably go to the bowl game. Like, they'll probably beat Toledo. They'll probably beat um, – I think they can beat USF. They could beat Tennessee. I'm not sure, but they could. But they're always overrated, as we know. And so, but mm-hmm. they, their team, like you're right, if Zach Wilson plays well, he's a really good quarterback. It's just for me, for the past five years, they've had nobody to throw the ball to. No, that's fair. And so that's why my concern is saying they're not that great. The defense is going to take a step back. I could see BYU defense being fine. Like when they played Hawaii last year, not to go off on BYU thing, but I figured BYU would have a good game but not win. They overachieved my expectations because Hawaii's defense wasn't very good. And so when you look at that, say the Aztecs game, Aztecs will still be a pretty good team, contend for the West, but they don't really have a huge weakness outside of like even their quarterback weakness. Vagnu's just okay. That's not going to kill them in too many games. And see, I think in this instance it might. I just don't see the BYU defense having the guys that need it to get get it done. So No, I, I get that. That's what I'm saying. All right, so... That puts me at a 
eight and four record overall. I have them at six and six, three and five in conference. So really quick, my losses are Utah State, Nevada, Fresno, at Hawaii. What's your losses? And uh, mine are, let me go back to the beginning, Utah State, Wyoming, and then the last four, Nevada, Fresno State, at Hawaii, home versus BYU. So let me ask you this. If they reel and do a pull reverse Wyoming to go six and six, are they going to the bowl game? According to my projected standings, yeah, yeah. <laughs> heads or tails, Matt. Heads or tails. <laughs> heads or tails. Flip a coin. They might. They might need to swap with someone or hope that a trade. I don't know. The, the ACC gets like two teams in the playoffs or something like that. Okay. All right. So we answer our questions really quick. Let's do it. Well, our good buddy Brandon Blake, who does Nevada, have asked us about the quarterback situation, sort of in passing, because he kind of put his own spin on it. It's going to be, if I'm going to rank, which I do rank the quarterbacks, I'm going to say they're probably, like Ryan Agnew is maybe maybe midway. I mean, probably eighth, probably for me. Yeah, I guess. Like, it's not going to be good. But it's also not as important as, say, a um, Hawaii quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, the it's also, it's also like a sliding scale. But, like, the, yeah, you need to be good. But he doesn't have to be good for the team to be like Armani Rogers. We saw if he goes down, they're in trouble. So he's more valuable, more important than than Agnew the Aztecs team. And that's no, I guess that. yeah. All right, then we have um, Tom, a mm-hmm. avid Aztec fan on the website and Twitter. Who do you think San Diego State will play in the Mountain Championship game? They will not be playing the Mountain Championship game by our projections. No. So could it happen? By my projection, my record, there's a chance. But it's it'll be tough. It seems like a lot of the prognosticators are, are really confident in the San Diego State rebound. I think I'm I'm running counter to what a lot of other people are thinking. I'm being cautiously, cautiously optimistic. But um, as far as what bowl game they will be in, they'll be lucky to get a New Mexico bowl berth. That's like the second best bowl game, honestly, in the Mountain West Conference. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, I think it it's, hard, is. it's hard to tell because there's no order in which I think picked. two, three, and four is like Idaho, New Mexico, and they made some changes. So let me go to my post-spring bowl projections, which people seem to love and hate at the same time. We did add the bowl in Texas playing the Big Ten team, so that's nice. We have the uh, conference, Vegas, Idaho Potato, Gildan, New Mexico, Hawaii Bowl, Arizona Bowl, Lockheed Martin Bowl, and maybe the Cheez-It Bowl. Mm-hmm. So my projection, I know I had them in a bowl game. I'm 90% sure I did. Let me just do a quick. Command F. Oh, I had them into Arizona Bowl versus Troy. That is the lowest bowl game, and that's where I have them projected. So, okay, no, I could see that too. Or maybe Lockheed Martin Ball Bowl. Sorry, not Ball Bowl will be in there as well. So, um, they, I, they'd better hope that the Cheese It Bowl can't fill its uh, obligations. Or think big, Matt. Just New Year Six game for the champ, right? Also true. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we're just about that way. Don't, hey, don't be down on that. So There you go. There you go. Whew, this is a long but, but, call. It but it won't be San Diego State. Yeah. Good call. Exactly. So, hey. I'm, hey, I'm sorry, Tom. I hate to let you down. Hey, like know, Tom, he's got to be the optimistic guy. It's fine. You can be that guy. Like, really, let's wrap up quick because we're getting kind of long in the tooth here for this show. Um, out of the games they have losses for, and that stretch, Nevada, Fresno, Hawaii, like, I could see them winning two of those three. It'll be tough. But I think they could. And so that for me, that put them at 10 wins and maybe win the division title. That's like my high end because I could, like, well, I'm kind of higher on Nevada like I was last year. They still need a new quarterback. They still replace some guys in defense. 
And at Hawaii, it's that's still a win, a possibility of a win. So I think 10. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's definitely a path where this team wins at least nine games. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I mean, I'm just not that confident in the offense. And if the offense can't put it together, that puts a lot of pressure on the defense to perform at the same level it did last year. Yeah, and last year, like you mentioned the stats at the beginning, I think the reason the production went down was because the defense had to work harder and couldn't hold it up the whole time where the offense underperformed. So, I mean, the only of those losses that I have pegged for the Aztecs, the only ones that I'm reasonably confident about are Utah State and Fresno State. I mean, I can see... I'm with you too, yeah. I can see where they can beat everybody else, Wyoming, Nevada, Hawaii, BYU. It's just, I'm not sure. And I'm I, not sure how the offense is going to come together. And, and that I, really kind of colors everything. And I could also see them losing to UNLV. Like that's well, let's, a, let's not go crazy. I'm just saying that's not, that's not far-fetched. It's on the road. <laughs> that's true. I'm just saying, if Rodgers has a, one of his big games, why not? Like, if they're healthy running and quarterback, and they have a pretty good receiving group there, there's a, there's a potential there. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's um, not far-fetched. No, I got gotcha. you. Hey, remember, they lost at home to Hawaii last year. That is true. I'm just saying, on the fade pass. That'll wrap it up for us on the show. As I mentioned, fade again. This is our probably longest show, almost 90 minutes, so you're welcome, hopefully, if you like Aztecs or you just like a chit-chat about some college football. This is preview number nine. We have three left. So we have Boise State, UNLV, and Hawaii, correct? That is correct. Based on the way we've been going, is it um, are we defaulted to go to the Mountain Division? Or should we do West and then do the final two? We'll leave it to the listeners. We'll leave it to the readers. So be sure to check MWC Wire on Twitter. Yes. Uh, And we will have a poll up sometime next week. We'll have a poll, yes. Uh, So hopefully everybody enjoys the podcast. Let us know. Subscribe to it. iTunes, uh, Stitcher, tune in. Um, We're at Spreaker as well. Don't forget that. Uh, Leave us a rating. Tell us if we're great or not. Like, Give us five stars, but tell us the truth. Come on. We want a few more people to listen to the show. And then check out our top 52 countdown because of the tide for amongst us. Um, also, by the time we're back, it's going to be media day time, Matt. I'm ready. We will be ready. We'll have tons of coverage for that. So if you tune into this, um, it's upcoming when it comes out shortly after, there'll be some media day stuff, probably a bonus podcast or two. We'll see how that goes. But thanks for listening. Check us out at And we'll be back talking um, more Mountain football. It's Matt, it's... Next time we podcast, also, it'll be one month from the season starting, exactly for week zero. Nice. All right, folks. Till next time.